welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are starting a brand new unit. It's October. You know what that means. It's time for spooky shit, right? Uh, this year, for our spooky unit, we are covering books that involve uh, like demons, demonic possession, I think, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and we read a book from uh, the mid-2000s, A Good and Happy Child by Justin Evans. So, but before we talk about the book, um, what made you want to, uh, like, what, 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 um, what about this genre? Your feelings, mm-hmm. your experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Your Thank pros you. and cons. Thank you. What do you these. like about demons? When was the last time you were possessed by one? Um, always and always forever. and forever. <laughs> um, I don't think I have really read any horror books about demonic possession until mm-hmm. now. And I don't think I've really seen that many horror movies about mm-hmm. demonic possession, despite it being a pretty big uh, temple of the genre. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the only two that I've seen are The Nun, which was laughable. I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the ending of it was so silly. It was just a silly movie. Um, and then the Exorcism of Emily Rose, which was one of the like first horror movies, like baby's first horror movies. Yeah, sort of vibe. yeah. Because it's not that scary. There's like a couple spooky moments, mm-hmm. um, but it's like half uh, scary and half like legal battle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And kind of like this book it's kind of like this book in that it is very is it demonic possession or not like i haven't really done any of the like i never watched the exorcist um uh other movies about demons i've never seen uh, i'm trying to think of other ones that exist like i feel uh, like there's so rosemary's many, baby rosemary's baby yeah never watched that uh you know, that's about all I've that's got. That's the two. I don't man. really know too much about the genre either, except I saw The Exorcist at way too young of an age. Mm, I feel like that's true for a lot of people our age. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I also, um, I mean, hey, grew up religious, so there's that too. Yeah. The right. <laughs> the Bible. The nun. <laughs> the nun too. The last exorcism. Exorcist, the beginning. Oh, you're just Nefarious. naming movies now. The offering. This the is conjuring. Good. This yeah, is this good is content. Good, good content. Insidious, <laughs> demonic. You guys get the picture. You guys, you guys know, yeah. And that there's one that's like about a nun, and it's kind of demonic. X, like if it's a little bit like, ooh, is this about? I can't remember the name of it. Oh, I guess the Vavitch is technically demons, right? I have no idea. I never saw that one. I think that technically counts as demons. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, Hereditary, I think, sort of Mm -hmm. counts as demons. Yeah, Maybe. So I guess I have seen some demon shit. Mm -hmm. But it just uh, always, to me, is kind of like, well, this is silly because, like, I don't believe in demons. (laughs) So you got to believe in a lot of other stuff before you can believe in demons, I feel like. Yeah, that like. yeah. We've made and it I, pretty clear, our stances. And I think, I think that's kind of what the problem is, right? That it's like you have to grapple with the fact that if you are doing a demon horror thing, then, mm-hmm. okay, what does this mean for religion, right? Right. Like, and then so it can kind of come down in the camp of like, oh, it, 
it is demons, but like not religious ones, which seems like kind of a cop out. Or you can kind of do what this book and uh, Exorcism Emily Rose does and also the nun movie that I can't remember the name of, but isn't the hmm. nun because that one was silly. A nun. Um, a nun that um, where it's like, oh, it's not really demons or it's not necessarily demons. And you have to figure out as the audience if you think it's demons or not, mm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which works a little bit better for me, I think. Or, yeah. you know, you just really lean into the religion of it all and uh, accept jesus as your lord and savior i guess Mm -hmm. and that he's the only one that can protect you from the demons yeah and i think that's kind of why it is hard for me to uh care about most exorcist things because it seems like most of them kind of either lean to that third one or the first one and i feel like the Mm -hmm. first one's a cop-out you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah i um i agree like they don't it doesn't pack as much of a punch uh when like I guess the demon itself can be scary, but also like that just kind of turns into like a ghost thing, right? Yeah. Like it's just it's an like angry just monster, spirit. It's a right? poltergeist. Yeah. 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 Uh, like so yeah. the idea of demons as a concept, as a thing that is scary, the reason that it's scary is because mm-hmm. of the implication that that would mean that that there is like good and evil like there's true evil right mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. that's the part of the demon that is scary right is the just evil for no reason man just because yeah evil exists it's in the world. just like an evil thing that is evil mm-hmm. and i don't also don't particularly find that compelling no um because again i don't believe in demons so like yeah. i don't think that's how it works and it, it's like different than like other fantasy stuff I feel like because it is tied to that sort of like black and white morality you know mm-hmm. like maybe the f- demons are friendly let's maybe, befriend the demons you know what I think I've read too much paranormal romance to ever think a, a demon is honestly. anything other than sexy honestly let's be real <laughs> sorry <laughs> just gotta be gotta gotta be here a sit with my truth for a second is um <laughs> Demons are sexual beings. I mean, listen. Inherently. <laughs> yeah, I think that also kind of, uh, you go one of two ways with demons. You either believe that they are the... They scare uh, you or they make you horny. They scare you or... You, yep, yep. It's our new, it's our new um, scruffy, scruffy to scruffy spiffy, spiffy scale. New, yeah. new axis, um, um, uh, sexy or scary. Sexy or scary. So they're still all S's. Yes, yes. We would never deviate from that. I feel like it could be applied. Well, uh, to a lot of parents. To a lot stuff, of things. Yeah. Like vampires, just things sexy in general, or scary. Like, Werewolves. Like, uh, murderers personally scary personally, but a, serial a lot of them yeah. are, it's fine though sexy so that's yeah. weird but you do you I guess mm-hmm. it, just don't tell me about it because <laughs> I'll judge you <laughs> <laughs> alright so this book in particular um, A Good and Happy Child by Justin Evans yeah. um, I picked this book because it was about demons and was like a well enough mm-hmm. known one. Like I feel like I've heard it referenced mm-hmm, and stuff, mm-hmm. but I didn't really know anything about it. Um, so kind of, I mean, we've secretly had a very long talk now about how we feel about this book yes. because we had some things to parse. Mm-hmm. Um, short version. 
I feel like this book was a pretty solid horror book, even though it was racist. Yeah. <laughs> and whether or not uh, the racism is enough to put you off, probably should be, um, is kind of up to you and your tolerance with such things. Mm-hmm. I do think that the author was doing the like white liberal thing of. Oh, God. Yeah. 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 Of like, oh, I'm making, I'm using racism to show that they are bad people. Um, it's, and I, I get his intentions. I don't know if it actually worked across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I and think... I did. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And overall, I did find the like actual storyline interesting. That was my general takeaway. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of issues with this book that I personally had because I think like we said, the racism, it's not the focal point. We're not saying like the book, the the story of the book is inherently racist. It's like there's Mm -hmm. characters in the book that just casually say very racist things. Um, I think there's a lot of like misogyny and classism in this as well. That is just very, to me, uh, sounds like this guy who has lived in, in New York City for either a very long time or his entire life doesn't really have a lot of experience with other cities outside of the city and just cast just casting dispersions on anyone who could live in the South. I just, it was, it was so weird. The, to me, the, um, I don't I, just all the, like he talks about like the hierarchy of this kid's school and he, he's like making fun of poor white people. He's making fun. Uh, well, not making fun, but like ha- has like harsh things to say about the black community in this book, even though they're not like they're not really featured. Present. This is all about like five white people basically trying to do Catholic exorcisms. Um, but yeah, it's just like. And, and then the whole premise, it, it, this is a frame story of sorts. I don't really, it, it was very frustrating to me because I was like, I, we should have just had this man like reflecting on things like, oh, I found some old diaries and I had forgotten any of this happened to me as opposed to like this weird storyline of this man has his first child and he's very loving towards his wife all before the pregnancy and throughout. And then once his child is born, he's too afraid to hold this baby and the reason is because demons and I was like well this this feels like a dumb excuse to be a bad dad I don't know (laughs) and and, and of course whether it was demons or terrible mental health like that is for the reader to decide for themselves but um it yeah it was I was just like this is the most wild excuse to not be involved in your child's life I've ever heard (laughs) I think that this had the um the problem of being a subject that is inherently not particularly enjoyable to you, mm. in addition to having several things that you actively dislike. Yeah, um, like this man is literally making fun of my life as someone who has moved to the South <laughs> uh, because their spouse is in academia. Like, like he's like making fun of me. <laughs> I don't like that. And it is incorrect. Whereas, There's lots whereas, uh, of Democrats in the South. Whereas I'm a Yankee, so so everything was, was fine for this you. This is fine, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in fact, the city that they are going to for their safe haven is the city that M lives in. So yeah, so you know, it's great. <laughs> everything's coming up M. <laughs> and there wasn't any. Nope, I lied. I was about to say there wasn't any hope phobia, but there was. There was. Yeah, there was. There was some slurs. Um, <laughs> just like, just it's so strange. Yeah. Uh, just, just a few sprinkled in for funsies. Yeah, and I get this as like a preteen boy in the 80s and like not fully understanding the impact of his words or the, at the time period like people just not caring fully about mm. the words that they use. I, it's just like I don't know. 
it didn't it, it, it just didn't very, feel like it needed to be included to me yeah it is very edgy uh aughts thing of like yeah like it's okay to make a racist joke because it's ironic and like that's kind of how it felt of like it's okay to use racial slurs because I'm using them ironically in order to show you this person is bad but it's like okay but like you you didn't need to do that actually I mean there's clearly other ways we know you're a bad dude you're asking an 11 year old to keep secret that he's meeting with two single adult men in a secluded house like yeah um so I, I again i feel like racism was bad it, it's bad if you yeah. can get past it or if you love racism wow stop listening to our podcast first <laughs> of all <laughs> um i don't know if this is such an important uh like staple of the horror genre that mm. i would really recommend it yeah despite the racism mm-hmm. um like I do think there's interesting stuff in it, but it's very it's pretty rough. Open ended so, ending. Yeah, that I've, yeah. some reviews have said like they they love the ending. Um, I you know I felt like after at a certain point I was like I know where this is gonna end up. I felt like, but like the the things that happen in the more like modern modern day present day storyline I didn't know where that was going but like also I didn't care I didn't care about this man this adult man and his Mm. problems I felt very bad for his wife um and um as a kid like he just wasn't likable I guess is the point because he's supposed to be possessed by a demon question mark so like (laughs) but also yeah the before he was I was just like this poor lumpy kid I just don't like (laughs) yeah he I mean it's weird to me that people were like, the ending is so open-ended. Because I felt like it could have been more open-ended and I would have yeah. preferred it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll get to that when we get to that. Yes. Um, would you recommend this to anyone? No. I think I kind of said, yeah, I No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend okay. you to not read this book. <laughs> okay, so from there, yeah. is there anything you would recommend that you've been reading this week? Oh, what have I been reading this week? I did, I know I recommend, I know I said in a previous episode I wanted to read this book and I did the thing where I actually got the book and then read it. Um, I read Murder in the Family by Kara Hunter, which I thought was mm-hmm. a really interesting uh, mystery thriller book where um, this director is going back to look at the unsolved death of his stepfather um 20 years previous and he's now directing a basically Netflix docu-series about it um and the whole book is told in like transcripts from the show and stuff like that um and it was fun it was it was gimmicky but you know I liked it it was a very quick read because it is all like scripts that are highly indented in the middle of the page so we love a book we can read really quickly um and then I, I also started watching this K-drama. You know I love me a good K-drama. Um, and I don't know if this one is, like, good, good yet, but it's certainly entertaining because I haven't finished it. But it is uh, is called – I think it's called Doom at Your Service. And it's this girl who she finds out she has, like, a terminal illness. So, like, content warning, if you are someone who does not like to watch or consume any sort of media that talks a lot about, like, medical trauma and, like, you know, all that stuff of someone going mm-hmm. through uh, end-of-life – care and things like that then this is probably not for you but um she has a terminal illness and she like gets drunk one night and like kind of shouts out into the universe like 
I, you know, I wish someone would like end the world or whatever. And this, this mystical entity called doom, which is kind of like death or just like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the end of things, mm-hmm. hears her. And he's like, I'm going to enter in a contract with this woman where I will make the last three months of her life painless. But at the end, she and has she to. She falls in love with exactly. him. Exactly. She has to wish yeah. for the world to end because <laughs> I'm tired of living. He's tired of being doomed. He don't want to live anymore. And the only way for that to happen is for the world to literally just be destroyed. Uh, wow. So that's the A plot romance. The B plot romance is a writer and an editor. The writer, she's a romance author, and her books are kind of like stalling out because she is modeling every single male lead as this ex-boyfriend that like dumped her in a really terrible way. And her editor is like, I'm going to show you how to write a different romantic lead and And is like very much in in love love with her, you know? So it's like, they're two really good. Like I would watch either of these separately, but the fact that they're in the same show good tropes but very different very different she works for a publishing company so like that's kind of how they slip it in there the tone shifts in the show are absolutely wild it goes from like (laughs) heart-wrenching like telling her family that she's about to die to like the the doom guy being like i'm gonna do some magic to confuse you it's gonna be real cute like (laughs) oh no it's wild absolutely wild but i'm enjoying it um and hopefully it will stay enjoyable through the entire 16 episodes we'll see let me know. Report back. Yeah. How about you? What are you reading and watching, um, consuming? Okay. So I haven't really been watching much, which is mm. weird. But um, you've been busy. I've been busy. <laughs> I'm so tired. Uh, <laughs> I uh, read slash started to read a few different horror things. Mm. Um, I'm doing my homework, my extra credit yeah. for this unit. So demon romances. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, some some folks fuck a demon. No, um, <laughs> sexy so I've got or three that are in various states of me having finished them. The only one I fully finished is uh, "To Be Devoured," which is a novella mm. by um, Sarah Sarah Tantlinger, Sarah Tantling Tantlinger mm. Tantlinger. Don't know. Mm, that's uh, a, that's Tantlinger. a hard name. Yeah. Um, and it is gross. I read all of the, like, I looked at the reviews, and uh-huh. basically all of them were, like, disgusting, exclamation mark, as the, like, <laughs> But, the like, pro-disgusting? Like, they were, like, yeah, loved because, it? Because horror fans are nasty little freaks. Yeah. Um, yeah it I is very gross. So it intimidated is, uh, by the horror fandom. <laughs> it is the, the general, like, vibes, because it's very short, uh-huh. are um, obsessive love. And oh, mental I'm illness. Reading the description of this, and it is bonkers. And, uh, eating gross things would be kind of the the, the thing I'd put out there. Fascination um, morphs into an obsessive need to know what the vultures know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's this woman who like has a tragic backstory and um, is having several issues with breaks with reality and. Um, becomes obsessed with the idea of vultures and like being free in the way that vultures are free and so she kind of wants to become a vulture um and this has bad effects on her relationship i can't imagine why uh (laughs) um i will say i did find it a little bit um not necessarily problematic but just like a since we're talking about racism and horror here Mm -hmm. um the focal character is a white woman and her partner is a black woman and um she does not do great at not 
doing bad things to the partner. So like, mm. just be aware mm. that that is a dynamic that is present. It's not like super racialized or anything, but it is there. And I know that does bother some folks. So I want to, you know, throw it out there. Um, the other two that I'm like, just kind of starting, well, starting the one, which is, um, Lone Women by Victor Lavelle, who I've recommended before. Yes. And this one is... A- <laughs> I'm just, like, reading this blurb, like, reading it like an old-time radio, like, the year is 1915, and Adelaide is in trouble. Her secret sin killed her parents, forcing her to flee California in a hellfire rush. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There it is. Um, it's pretty good so far. Um, I'm not super far into it, so yeah. I can't swear it'll stay good all the way through, but I've you seen liked his good reviews. other stuff, uh, right? Ballad of Black Tom, I think, is the other one I read by him, and I've recommended that before, too. Yeah. And then I started listening to this one that is possession-related mm. called Goddess of Filth by V. Castro, which is about, like, this group of girls who uh, do a seance, and one of them gets possessed by some sort of, like, ancient goddess. Um, cool. Uh, and it is also slightly gross, but not quite as gross as the one with the woman eating dead like rotten flesh and stuff it was a lot more like actual possession possession versus this one um so i thought that was like an interesting contrast to what we are currently reading where the book that we're reading is very like is it a demon and this one is like nah yeah nah this is straight up it's definitely a supernatural it's not a demon it's a goddess Mm, 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 mm. um but yeah it's like just infinitely cooler like if you're gonna be possessed by something at least it's like you know, yeah, a goddess. you know, not a gross, nasty demon, not just a, a goddess of filth. Gr- little gremlin that looks just like you, but evil, <laughs> like in this oh, book. <laughs> so let's talk about it. This book, this book, good and happy child. He was not a good or happy child, unfortunately. But he wanted a good and happy child. He wanted, one. he wanted He wanted one. So uh, like I said, this this is a framed story told from this man who in the months after his wife is given birth is has not touched the child once, does not help with the child at all because of this fear that something terrible will happen if he picks up his child. And he doesn't really understand where this is coming from. And after like some tense few months with his wife, they uh, decide he's going to go to therapy. And then he begins kind of like writing in these spiral notebooks this the entire story of what happened over a few months of his childhood that's him and i fully thought that it was going to turn out that he had already killed his wife and child that's what i thought too you know like i was like oh yeah this guy definitely like ate his baby you know oh that would be That'd be rough. <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to, uh, te- like set your expectations for how horror this is, it's he not does that not bad. Eat his baby. <laughs> he doesn't eat the yeah. baby. I would say there was a lot of, um, a lot of the horror stuff kind of happens off page, and and for reasons mm. that we'll get into. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of um, the, the. It's more just like kind of the the vibes and the the thought of it happening. Yeah, that are what's spooky in this. This is scary in the way of, and this is kind of the other problem that I had with this book, aside from racism, mm-hmm. um, which I do want to keep repeating that I do have a problem with the racism <laughs> in this book. Uh- <laughs> it is, yeah, it is, it is like, it's there, it does, it, it's there, but it doesn't have um, to be but Justin. The other, the other thing with this book is I do feel like it fell into the 
uh, uh, trap of aren't mental illnesses scary, which I think mm-hmm. that like a lot of possession books do and yes. possession movies. Um, and part of that is because I think um, as, as someone who once took a class on demons, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. basically d- demons have always been just, it's just mental illness gang. It's almost always just mental yes. illness. Like yeah. all of the, anytime demons abound, it's probably just mental illness. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was kind of like a little worried about this fitting into that vibe of like oh the scary thing is you know being mentally ill and I don't think it didn't do that but I think because it kind of left it ambiguous it gave it like just enough wiggle room that I'm not like adding uh hates mentally ill people to the list of sins mm. for that reason. Um, I think that this book does hate mentally ill people, but for a different reason, <laughs> mainly that it uses the R slur like many a times. Lot. Where the main uh. character, like he, there is a situation in which he will be like committed to a full time, like assisted living facility for people who are struggling with their mental health. And he is like, I don't want to go live with the R words. And it's just like, damn. Yeah, and it's and, like, and no one corrects. 11 year old kid. That's, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's, that's real that's a lot uh, yeah um so i think that you know the the plot itself didn't make me go like mm-hmm. this is automatically ableist because there was the wiggle mm-hmm. room but it does kind of have those tinges you know of yes like, that's and- kind of i mean like best reading is that the horror of this book is the fear of losing control of oneself, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's really what this is about. And that lack of control is kind of posited to be either mental illness or demons in this book. Yeah. By, like, stated outright. But I think that you could kind of make the argument that it's not really either of those things necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I I also think, too, like, a lot of it is a... Uh, a child going through like this big upheaval in his life and not wanting it to change more, which I guess it does have to do with like the lack of control, but like yeah. the, the, the ideas of being torn away from his mom at a time when he has just lost his dad and who has very complicated feelings about uh, in the first place. So it's just a lot going on for little Paul, who is the yeah. main character which, of our like, book. George. George, sorry. Paul's his dad and, and his son. And his son. <laughs> His dad's son. No, they're two different people. His adult son. <laughs> maybe. His adult I don't know. Maybe. Paul. I mean, if demons are real, maybe is his dad reincarnated as his son? You never know. Perhaps. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. How salty would you be? Like, you, as a woman, you, you went through uh, carrying, carrying this pregnancy, mm-hmm. went through labor. Your husband doesn't help you. And after all of that, he, the baby is still named after your husband's dad. Man. I'd that's be, rough. I'd be salty. <laughs> that's rough times. Your husband's dad, who your husband like didn't even really get along didn't with. Didn't even like, really had issues like. with. Yes. That's, mm, mm, weird. Weird choice. Uh, <laughs> so in uh we we read about little George. George is an eleven year old boy whose father has passed three months previous, uh, from Some sort of illness. He was in Honduras at the time doing some sort of research. Uh, We find out later he went to Honduras to, uh, you know, go find a demon. Um, And then he died of jaundice, perhaps. Uh, Uh, He died of um, malaria, maybe. Malaria. Malaria. Oh, he was jaundiced. 
He was John from Disc. malaria. Yes, yes, yes. But it was well. I guess we technically don't know because that know. was the demon that was saying the mosquitoes were. The That's thing. true. We can never trust a demon. So, don't know. Don't know. Um, and he is going through a really hard time at school. Like he was bumped up a grade because uh, he was a gifted kid. But he is at uh, you know, he's going through that age that kids go through where they're still kind of stinky because they don't want to do all the all the. Uh, <laughs> washing up that they should and they're awkward in their bodies and don't really have me still going through that stage yeah I mean, yeah you know, it's rough y- you know <laughs> stinky and awkward in my body stinky and awkward in my body uh <laughs> but um george is uh and, he, and he's also very his parent both of his parents are academics and this lends him a much more serious air and a weird way of speaking that most 11 year olds would not speak this is this is an aside not for the podcast but like henry (laughs) yeah (laughs) unfortunate unfortunate um but anyway he um he starts having these visions after a particularly particularly hard round of bullying from one of his friends he starts to have these visions of a uh uh, a, a, another being that looks like him but does not sound like him a friend he just calls him a friend and he has these dreams where the friend takes him out of his body and and tells him interesting things that that uh, get George to trust him tells him things about his dad that he couldn't really know otherwise when he goes to the adults to ask them about these things so George's dad Paul was a uh religious academic he he did religious mm-hmm. stu- religion studies religious studies uh and did vacation bible school yes yes he <laughs> <laughs> he did vacation bible school for a living and he <laughs> he had recently written a very controversial book about the fact that evil is real evil evil in the sense of like demons and devil the, de- the devil i guess uh, he's now, a very religious man i understand that you know these academic liberal institutions are all anti-religion and whatever. But at the uh-huh. same time, I'm like, you really coming at me and telling me that it was that controversial of a thing to write in the 80s in the when 80s. we were like about to enter the satanic, the satanic panic. panic. My goodness. Right. Come on. Right. Who was making fun of this man? No one. His wife was embarrassed. Maybe. His wife. His yeah. wife was making fun His of him. Not really. I get this was like, this was the 80s. Like, why was she with him? Like, I didn't, I did not understand this relationship at all. I guess we should, we, we can't because this is told from the point of view of their child who is not privy to these details. But like, I mean, it's like, girl, you got to take your son and leave. This man is abusive. I feel like it's pretty obvious why she was with him. Because she thinks demons are sexy. (laughs) He's possessed by a demon. What that demon dick do? He's got that demon dick. It's the wings, really, for some people. Mm. The wings, yeah, I actually really. don't think his father is ever explicitly stated to have been possessed. No. But it was, funnier, it was yeah. funnier to say what that demon dick do than what that dick do. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, George's dad had a group of friends that were uh, very close-knit, also academics, but they were also, uh, like, demon hunters on the side, question mark. I think it's just the one friend. Tom Harris. Tom Harris, who mm-hmm. is an official, like, I fight demons. The other two that get looped into this are uh, George's godfather, who 
doesn't have anything to do with demons, I think, and really only gets looped into it because he's the godfather. Yeah, he's just like and a then, professor that, like, I don't know. He's very conservative and racist, man. And, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then the, the one f- lady friend who was in love with Clarissa. his dad, we find out. Clarissa. She explains it all. Psycho- she does she's a psychologist right she's yeah she's a she's a clinical sort? psychologist of some kind yeah yeah and she used to be a deacon so again doesn't actually do demons and i think is would not be catholic right because i, I there's not a lot of catholics in the south so i don't know they made fun of like specifically the Episcopalian churches, I don't know what brand of religion any of them were though. Like they brought in a Catholic man. Right. Right. From the Midwest. But the end, I think they just have like the local preacher pray over him or whatever. And that solved the problem. And that solved the problem or did it? Or did it? Question Um, mark. But yeah, I don't think, I think that's part of the thing is that mm-hmm. none of these people are actually qualified to do demon hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And they are all just creepy adults um, manipulating this child in a very disturbing way. Uh, they should go to jail, but I don't think anything happens to them of consequence that we are made privy to, at least. No, I don't think so. I wish mom had followed through with her threats, but. Um, she had to hightail it to Cincy. She couldn't <laughs> yeah. stay around for a legal battle. <sighs> Man, I feel the only person in this book who deserves rights is Kurt. And I, I know. God damn. Uh, so um, the the demon friend tells George that his mother is, in, uh, or Tom Harris specifically, wants to embark on a relationship with George's mom. And that makes George real angry and real hateful towards Tom Harris. Uh, and in a way that he eventually, at a Halloween party where his godfather has g- gotten him drunk, um, He's 11 years old, by the way. Uh, he old. he, and or the demon goes out to the driveway and uh, uh, clips the, the brake line um, on Tom Harris's car. And he gets into an accident that's so bad that he does have to, like, go to the ER. And he has surgery. Like, his legs get broken multiple times in order to, like, put them back the right way. It's really bad. Uh car accident for Nasty. someone that was literally just pulling out of his friend's driveway <laughs> so yeah. i don't know <laughs> yeah i'm not quite sure where the accident happened because it's like, it's like it's not like it's like right like outside the base the of the driveway right yeah, like it's like right there so, so like how fast could you have been going right like what were you doing yeah I, Maybe it, you shouldn't blame the eleven-year-old who cut your brake lines. Maybe you should blame yourself. Maybe you should blame yourself for being a bad driver, immediately going fifty miles per hour <laughs> in a, in a neighborhood. Um, <laughs> uh, so the result of this is that uh, George is taken to a some sort of psychiatric hospital where they evaluate him and they say, "Hey, your son has to go either." You voluntarily commit him to an assisted living facility where he will stay until we deem he is better, or he will be involuntarily committed to like a juvenile detention center or, you know, somewhere that is not as uh, relaxed on their protocols. Right. So um, George's mom, real upset about this, does not want this to happen, takes him home like they don't have any open open beds at the at the assisted living facility just yet. So they have some time to like be home and see if they can get George, uh, quote unquote, better. Um, They're going to fix him in this month that they have. 
Tom Harris has no hard feelings towards George about the car accident because he recognizes within George he is being possessed by a demon. Because, mm. hmm. yeah. <laughs> so he he and his friends all set about trying to uh, get George safe. Like they can't exercise the demon because they are waiting for like a Catholic priest or an expert in exorcism to come to this town where they live. Um, so they just do like a variety of things. Like they give him an icon of St. Michael. Uh, they, they tell him to pray. They take him to another exorcism that's happening just to like watch and be like this, let, let this be a warning to you, son. Don't talk to the demon anymore. Um, but there's also like this weird, like George doesn't fully, trust them because the demon is saying things like hey they're hiding stuff about your dad from you there's some letters you need to find so you can find out what really happened with your dad obviously george's mom is like hey stop doing this (laughs) (laughs) hey could you stop telling my child he's a demon yeah um (laughs) she's there's also like there's a bit at the beginning of the whole demon thing mm -hmm. where like they don't tell him he's a demon or he's possessed by a demon, uh-huh. where they're like, oh, yeah, your dad wrote about some stuff. And, like, he was a mystic who uh, had a certain type of vision oh, yeah. that was, like, oh, God, what were the two different? It was, like, sensory and ins- – was it insensate and sensory? Were those I, the two? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I was not reading that closely. I'm sorry. <laughs> but one of them is basically, like – you get the information and you understand that it's coming from someone somewhere outside of yourself and you're able to like parse it and uh interpret it and then the other one is like it's maybe something outside of yourself but also maybe something inside of yourself and you can't really tell the difference and Mm. um you get the information and like you don't know where it's coming from so you don't know if you can trust it or not and that's like basically what they tell them which is like the the you don't know if you can trust it or not. It's like, oh, because it's a demon versus the other one, which is supposed to come from God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes and he finds his father's book that they're all like, oh, father wrote a great book, but everybody was mean to it. Um, and he <laughs> finds it in his house and reads it. And it's like, obviously very... Uh, um academic text about demonology yes. and because he's an 11 year old and can't understand academic texts he really runs with it and is like oh demons demons Very demons for sure i'm possessed yes. by a demon um and yeah then he goes to the others and he's like i'm possessed by a demon and they're like you figured it out we can't really help you sorry your mom um, won't let us talk to you anymore yeah and then <laughs> The, the exorcism when they go Tom Harris is at the exorcism and the woman who's getting exercised is like, ask me, the like, as a demon, is like, ask me the question. You know, you want to ask me the question, ask me the question, ask me the question. Um, and Tom Harris, like, kind of gets drawn into it. And the other exorcist dude is like, shut the fuck up. What are you doing? You need to leave. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, like, so this is kind of laying the groundwork of this whole thing about how his father, something happened to him with the demons and maybe the demons killed him, right? Like, that's yes. the that's the, the question that Tom Harris has. Mm-hmm. But, of course, like, ask me the question is, like, so vague and doesn't <laughs> doesn't relate to anything. Like, this woman could have just, 
you know, said that to anyone and yeah. they probably would be like, yeah, I do have questions. Everyone's like got a mystery in their life that they can't answer. Yeah. Especially so, when you're you know. 11. Adults do such weird things. Yeah. Or when you're a fully adult woman who's having some sort of mental health crisis and people mm-hmm. are exercising instead. Yeah. As is the, uh, the case. <laughs> that woman. Wow. Sucks for her. Yeah. Yeah. That seemed really... <laughs> That was such like a weird scene because like they, they pick up George or they pick up George, George Harris, uh, Tom Harris picks up George and is like, Hey, we're just like going to take you out. Like we're picking you up from school and taking you away. Me and this other like adult man you've never met before. And we're going to take you to these strangers house. We haven't gone through the satanic panic yet. So nobody has a problem with people removing children from school. I guess (laughs) they get to this place and she's just like, the, the guy doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing. And then Tom Harris starts talking to this woman as if she really has a demon inside of her. And they keep telling George, like, hey, you need to get out of here. But then it's like, also, why did you bring him then? Like, if you didn't want him to see what you were doing, why is he here with you? <laughs> well, and also the, the dude who's doing it, like, mm-hmm. is very clearly, I mean, at least to me, maybe this is just me reading into mm-hmm. it. I read him as fully, like, a charlatan who is doing this for money mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because a like he's got the carpetbagger thing going on you know they're like oh he has a midwestern accent and i've never heard a midwestern accent like that and like i don't know maybe it's just the audiobook they did a very like wisconsin accent mm. um but so it's like oh he's flying in here from somewhere else and then he like immediately leaves because he's got like another job to go on so yeah. i don't know to me it read very like scam artist you yeah know? yeah taking people's money and then getting out of town for sure yeah. yeah uh and then like he's just like talking to these people that are it, it's her sister and her boyfriend or something maybe or like they're I think it's her husband because oh, they her have husband. the whole thing okay. about like oh the pictures and i saw them as children and i saw or like i saw pictures of uh like young teenagers at a prom and then I saw like a wedding photo and then I now I'm looking at these people and I can tell that that's the woman in the photo and mm. like it's a whole thing so I'm pretty sure it's it's husband and wife and because they also say like the children are out of the house right like oh yeah so. that's right yeah they have the yeah. children go away and like the husband seems like he's like really believing that this is what's happening and his wife is going to be better and then her sister's sitting there like I don't even okay. know why we're here I don't know why we're doing this like she just wants to go out and party that little slut like she's just <laughs> <laughs> it's weird weird vibes um <laughs> but yeah so we eventually discover that uh george's mom is is starting to date someone uh and well, potentially has been dating this person for a long time while she was married to george's father still uh this man named kurt who is a very good man in a way he did not have to be uh kurt was so nice did not such a nice boy uh he is fully like he is ready to get involved in george's life he's ready to be a father figure to this kid he is supportive like imagine like your girlfriend is like hey i haven't told my kid we're dating yet but he he is having some serious mental health issues uh and this guy's just like let me let me just like hang out with him he needs he clearly needs like some like love and support in his life and you've got a lot of stuff going on with work and like let me just hang an adult out. man who's not gonna tell him he's possessed by a yeah demon. he's just like a normal nice guy 
And I, George idolizes him because he also sees this. He's like, this is a normal man. I need normal man in my life who's not telling me about demons and religion and, and you know, is not also my mom. <laughs> it was sad. And he's also got a couple other normal men in his life. The psychologist. The psychologist. That, yes. I, I wasn't sure. But they are not a, a friend normal man. They are a professional yeah, they're a doctor treating their patient. Uh, but I thought he was competent. Uh, he was doing his best was. with what he had. Yeah. One one was. The other one was not. The one at the... Dr. Gilloon. Like, yeah. I was like, man, I know it's the 80s and you work at like an institution situation and it's probably mm-hmm. like you got to just churn them in, churn them out. But like, I don't know, like maybe take a second to get to know your patient. This right. Um, I like, I just, this is also, hmm. oh, go ahead. I had questions too about how, like, he was basically saying like, these are your two options. Like your son is going to be taken away from you either to be, you could voluntarily let us take him or you could involuntarily let us take him. And I was like, is that really how this works? And I get it at like different time period. Okay. But like, what are the parental rights here in this scenario of like having your child be institutionalized? I mean, I definitely feel like there probably should have been more of a, like, court situation going on, Yeah, no on, one pressed right? charges about the car yeah. accident. So what so right did the doctor have? I could be totally wrong here because I'm not that familiar with, like... Yeah, well, especially the time, time period. period and, yeah. Yeah. But it did seem a little weird that basically... Like, it felt, like, maybe a little too extreme for the 80s, like, of... Um, Oh yeah, you just you're gonna get thrown in the loony bin. Yeah, um, I was like, it's going on like your that, permanent record kind of like vibes. I would have <laughs> believed that maybe even like three decades earlier, but I don't know. The eighties were such a a hallmark <laughs> of civilization. Truly. It was when humanity was at its peak, the eighties. <laughs> It just felt very Victorian, right? Of it like, was. It was like we are just gonna. We're just, we're just gonna no rights you for up. you. You're not a yeah. person. You're now our victim, kind of. You have no father in the house. We can do as we please. Exactly, which certainly like added to the stakes of the book. But the whole time I kept thinking, like, really though, like, is this correct? You, mm. yeah. So I don't know. And I mean, eventually when they come up with the plan of like we're gonna move, and it turns out like, oh, you, you could just you're leave involuntarily the committed. Yeah, if you're involuntarily committed in one state, like, it won't follow you to another state. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, that seems like there's no like federal problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that does. Like, that makes it seem, like, real easy if someone just, like, left or escaped and just was like, well, I live in I live in Colorado now. <laughs> so, yeah. fuck you. But, I mean, I guess I, I would guess that if it is something like a criminal charge that has been... Yeah, like if there's a police record, that's one thing. Record of that, but I guess because he didn't have a record, and it's like, okay, well, I guess because he's 11, like maybe nobody really wanted to deal with that. But like, well, and Tom Harris was like, I would, I would charge the demon, but I can't charge the boy. The boy's innocent. It was the demon who did it. Yeah, but also like, it's not Tom Harris who would have the ultimate choice of pressing charges or not. Like that's kind of a misnomer the uh, idea of like oh you have the right to press charges it's yeah the like the police could just be like you, no a crime yeah. was committed here yeah the police <laughs> could be like no an 11 year old cut the brakes on your car we are gonna have to like deal with that in some way but of course they're police so they're not gonna do anything sensible um 
<laughs> yeah. It was, it was, yeah, I didn't, I didn't buy that whole part of the book. Uh, yeah. But like I said, it, it did raise the stakes. So they, they have this like month long period hanging over their heads where George's mom begs for him to be perfect. He has to be perfect so that he can, he will not be taken away from her. And he has to be a good child. Mm-hmm. Half of the title. <laughs> yes. He certainly cannot be happy, unfortunately, with the demon. But he, um, he's put on medication the medication significantly alters his personality and like his he he has a hard time speaking and he's just like he he's like this is not the right medicine or dosage for him um and but no one cares and he is pretty good for like a couple weeks he's going to school he's getting good grades he's kind of staying on the straight and narrow but then uh again he falls in with tom harris and and the others and he stops taking his medication and uh it kind of like his mental the mental health issues come back in a big way so he finds out kurt and mom are dating and have been dating since before his dad left for this trip to honduras so there's some idea floating around in his mind uh that his mom is perhaps the one responsible for his dad dying because if his dad hadn't found out that the mom was seeing someone else, he wouldn't have left for Honduras and he wouldn't have done all of this stuff. Right. Uh, so put that, put that in your back pocket cause that will become relevant later. But, uh, the, the, this part of the book is mainly, uh, George just like kind of grappling with a lot of this, like, you know, wavering between it's a demon it's not a demon it's a demon it's not a demon wanting to be good for his mother wanting to be following his father's footsteps of believing uh being very religious and believing that demons are real etc etc um a big inciting incident that occurs is that one night george and mom are alone at home and the shower door starts like opening and closing on its own and this is the first time that something paranormal has happened around George that someone else has witnessed. Um, so I, 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 I don't know if, if you go, if you go with the, with the, if you follow the thread that this is George having a mental break of some kind and he is hallucinating everything that's happening around him re demon hard to explain the shower door, uh, incident. It could just be also there's ghosts, but the ghosts are actually real. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you could go with the old poltergeist theory. Yeah. Because they even bring up poltergeist. I feel like that was intentional. The, like uh-huh. the, the prevailing like theory with poltergeist for a while was um, that they were caused by uh, children that were telekinetic. Mm. Um, yes. Which X-Men. is, of course, nonsense. Uh, but like for, for a hot minute there, a lot of people were like, oh yeah, poltergeists are like just, uh, uh, cause they, a lot of times poltergeist activity shows up around kids. And the reason for that is it's because it's kids doing things like throwing things across the room and then hiding is why it shows up when there's kids around. That's that is so funny. That's <laughs> why. That's why that Imagine a has bunch a of adults just like losing their goddamn minds and some kid <laughs> is just like hiding behind the shower curtain. Like he, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the the like a uh, thing where you're you're primed to believe something anyway. Yes, yes. Um, but and I think that's kind of my interpretation of this as well, where it is just like because because like what actually happens, the the door bangs a lot, right? Yes, it's and it bangs so hard it breaks. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, windows 
left open. The foundation of your home is not good. (laughs) Fucked up. (laughs) You live in a very old house. Nothing is even or level. (laughs) It is perfectly reasonable to assume that what is happening here is the door is fucked up from whatever normal thing. Mm -hmm. Plus, the two people watching it are stressed. Plus, one of them is in the middle of a mental health breakdown. Plus... He's primed to think that things are demons. <laughs> that is very he's... true. So probably a little bit overblown. And then we kind of have the thing of like, as they go on and they move in with Kurt and Kurt's like, oh, yay. Thanks. Thanks to the ghost. Cause it got you guys to move in with me. Yes. I think it would be reasonable to say the mom was a little freaked out because of all of the stress. Absolutely. So she went over to her boyfriend's house and then was like, now I'm hey, home. actually, this is a lot easier to be dealing with all this at yeah. my boyfriend's house. Yeah. I will stay here versus, oh, she's so scared of the door. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> like the haunted door, <laughs> the haunted door, the demon door. Um <laughs> Again, you could fully read this book and be like, yes, that is demons. Uh But I also think that it is a totally reasonable explanation to just go, no, this is being siphoned through the memories of an adult looking back on when they were 11 Mm. and remember being scared of the door and then maybe blowing that up a little bit more. Absolutely. So busted. Busted. (laughs) Not supernatural. Not ghosts. (laughs) So, so George and mom do move in with Kurt and it becomes like, George kind of does have the, like this little mini breakthrough where he's like, dang, my mom really loves this man. And this man seems to be really good for us. Like, and he just, he just really likes Kurt and the stability that Kurt presents. And we also learn because he does have a therapy session shortly after or around, around the time these events are occurring where his doctor finally does make a breakthrough with him. And he realizes like the the thing about his dad, uh, the relationship with his dad was that he wished his dad had paid more attention to him and he did not get to have that closure with his dad of like, I'm mad at you and I feel like you've abandoned me. And then to have his dad like die in that, in that sudden way that no one, like he was in another country. They had no idea what was going on with him was just very like abrupt and traumatic for him. And he just doesn't know how to grapple with these very big feelings of loss and grief towards a man that he's not even sure he really liked. Um, and so he has this big breakthrough and everything. And then, and then mom finds out that George has not been taking his meds and, um, been cheeking him. Yeah, he's been cheeking them. He's been storing them in there uh, and then spitting them out later. And his method of getting rid of the medications is to, they're all wet, right, from being in his mm-hmm. little mouth. He just takes them and sticks them on, like, the uh, the, the the molding of the, like, what is that? Baseboard, right, mm-hmm. of, of yeah. uh, your wall, where your wall and your floor meet. I, yeah. Sorry, I don't know anything about uh, what things are called. And um, he, he's just been sticking them on there. And one day mom is like moving shit around in his room. She's like, what the fuck is this? Which as any mom would be like, what have you done? Honestly, though, this is such an 11 year old move. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just like, again, one of those like, I don't know how to be clean yet situations. <laughs> I'm going to take something from my mouth and stick it on the wall permanently. <laughs> my little, little collection of nasties. <laughs> 
Uh, maybe he could make a pattern with it at some point. Yeah, yeah. It's modern art, mom. Decoration. <laughs> it represents the turmoil I feel about being trapped under the influence of this medication, mother. Um, oh, I also feel like around this time is around the point in the frame story mm, mm-hmm. where it is brought up by that psychologist that um, probably what's happening here is that he felt guilt about something um, or feels guilt about this mm, because mm-hmm. he uh, manipulated the adults into doing the whole exorcism thing. Or like that it was a folly, uh, not do, but many. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, a folly a do is a, yeah, a that's the delusion between album. two people. Well, it's a fall of boy album, but it's also a delusion that is shared yeah. by two people. And I think he even uses the term in this book. It's folly like folly a something else. Mm. But in any case, he was like, yeah, it seems like probably you went to them with the whole demon thing. And they were also grieving and were like dope let's go with the demon thing time to yeah roll out time with the to demon exercise this yeah. whole demon and i don't know that i agree with the psychologists um because i don't the think really we're supposed to ever just was like all of the psychologists were kind of like i i feel and that's also part of why i'm like i feel like this book is a little like anti therapy psychology therapy yeah, yeah. um where especially because he that the modern day psychologist i believe is the one who says the thing about like oh yeah i've dealt with like trauma makes kids act in weird ways and like i've dealt with uh 11 year olds who experienced like sa and became seductresses yeah i'm like that's fucked up dude yeah that's not how you should phrase that yeah (laughs) yeah but i mean i don't think that I agree with the idea that it is the 11 year old's fault or the 11 year old who instigated it but also like we are looking at this through the 11 year old's perspective plus 20 30 years mm-hmm. so it's hard to say but I do think that this is pretty close to what is actually happening if something is to be said to be actually happening in a book of fiction which is that everyone was fucked up by this death and Everybody was primed for demons yeah. because that's just they what they all the- had a really weird relationship with each other and a very weird relationship with their religion, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was just, I don't know. And also, like, a weird relationship to um, authority mm-hmm. in a way that I think made them want to sort of like push back against the medical authority, right? Yes. This um, is very like holistic versus Yes. Non- and then also like yeah. I feel like there could be many arguments to be made. Like we are explicitly told that the woman she tells later on when they're gonna try to exercise him, she tells him like, hey, I just want you to know in case the demon brings it up, I did like have feelings for your father and like i kind of got the vibes with the godfather that maybe there was some sort of uh, i thought they were all just having sex with each other and that was probably it was very eyes wide shut to me yeah but i definitely (laughs) felt like the godfather was sort of like uh dealing with maybe that same sort of grief of like losing somebody that Mm because he was less primed for demons right so it's kind of like why did you buy into this and I feel like it was like, oh, I have to protect the son of this guy the that I was in love with sort of thing. I wanted to be more than friends with. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I don't know. It was, yeah, it was a very weird group dynamic for the, the adult friend group. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely weird how they were all so focused on this, this child, but in a way yeah. that was like more than just a parental concern for his safety. <laughs> um, but so yes, he they they're living with Kurt now, and he's have he's had a few revelations. Our Georgie has, but then he decides uh, because mom has left the Saint Michael icon back at the old house, and no one wants to go back there because it might be a haunted house now. Um, he has no protection from the demon, and he shortly is visited again by his old friend. Uh, he decides he has to go to church so that he can meet with his father's friend group. To find he leave? needs a, he needs advice. Did she leave the icon at the old house, or were there two different in- incidents with the icon? Yeah, the icon I think was like a replacement one they tried to give him when okay, he, when he, okay. she threw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, the original because uh, I think it was like actually like a little like statuette maybe that they gave him. I w- I wasn't clear if it was just like I a just card know that the with one the- that she. The one that she throws is the one that belonged to his father. Okay. Maybe they broke into his house and got, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But without his religious protection, he is susceptible to the demon's influence again. And he uh, goes to church and he's like, hey, you guys, because of course his dad's friends are all at church on Sunday. He meets up with them and they're like, we can literally cannot talk to you because your mother has blackmailed us, threatened us. Uh, by saying she will call like state board, she will get our licenses removed, she will go public with the like insinuating that we are doing like essay stuff to you. Um, so we we really don't want to have anything to do with you. And the boy is like, but demons. And they're like, all right, we'll exercise right. you. <laughs> One last ride. Let's go. Meet us at eight o'clock. Um, he. Mom mom comes and picks him up from church because she did not stay and sit through church with him. And uh, that night he gets into, uh, he, he leaves the house. But uh, wait, is this before or after the baseball bat? Um, great question. Baseball bat and then the baseball bat I think this, happens. I think baseball bat's after the exorcism because she... I think so because I think the the baseball bat is in response to something like there's some sort of trigger. I think it's after she finds him at their house. Maybe. Shit, I don't remember the order this stuff happened in. I wish I could look it up, but I got the audio. Yeah, so let me I flip can't. through real quick. Sorry, I explained things a little bit out of order as we have come uh, as come to realize from our perusal through this, the rest the end of this book. But so um, he he. He runs away. He has this exorcism done uh, on him, performed on him by Clarissa, who has only, like, formally been a deacon. She's like, I'm just an amateur at this, so, like, forgive me if it doesn't go well, I guess. <laughs> like, it's kind of a weird thing. They perform the exorcism, um, and in the middle of it, George's mom and Kurt roll up, and they're like, what the fuck are you doing with my son? Stop that, you nasty people. And she takes her son home. Can't You can't take your son home mid-exorcism. You can't, yeah. Now the demon is only halfway gone. He does tell the demon to go away. She takes she takes George home. This is where she finds out that he has not been taking his medication. And uh, that night, there is an incident where George wakes up to find his mom has been brutalized in some manner he doesn't know what's happened he's woken up he's found his mom just like crumpled at the bottom of the stairs they take her to the hospital she's he sees someone beating her oh he sees someone hitting her the demon 
The demon. Yes. He sees the demon beating up his mom with an aluminum baseball bat. Uh, They have to go to the hospital. Mom is like. Traumatized because her 11-year-old beat the shit out of her. Her 11-year-old who she's been vouching for this entire time like has insisted like no we will not put him in the assisted living home we will not institutionalize our kid i'm gonna take care of my boy sad very sad this was also like the scare one of the scariest parts of the book for me i was like this part was not yeah this was this was a this was uncomfortable part to read for sure yeah Mm mm-hmm she wakes up in the hospital. She like she can't even really speak very well. She has broken she's broken a couple ribs, like her wrist, I think. Uh, like she's been beat up. And Kurt very calmly pulls George to the side. Hey, buddy. He's like, hey, man, I know what you're having a hard here? time, but did you beat the shit out of your mom? You can tell me. I won't tell anybody, but you can tell me. And George is like, it was the demon. And Kurt's like, Jesus, Jesus fucking Christ, Jesus. it was this kid. This kid did do it. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> no, Kurt, Kurt's a good guy. They get mom out of the hospital. They all go home. He's like, hey, I just got this job offer uh, in Cincinnati. We can all move there, leave all this behind us. We'll be a big, happy family. Everything will be great. Everyone's like, yay, yeehaw, we're going to do I it. I think we're gonna the go job offer is actually before this because he's out of town when this happens. Mm. He's, he's getting Cincinnati stuff ready because I think once this happens, his mom is like, nah, you got to go. <laughs> like, I think his mom's kind of like leaning more towards institutionalizing him. And it gotcha. isn't quite so big, happy family because like she's like, oh, no, this is because I think actually like that might have been a thing when she saw the medication. She might have said something about like she definitely was like, you got to take your medication. And I I feel like she might have said, like, I don't know uh, how to deal with this or something like that. And I, yeah. so I think I, that's, I am out of my depth. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's kind of like part of it of why, you know, the, the kid decided to not decided beat up his mom because she this could be seen as a betrayal of sorts where mom is like i gotta make some calls is basically how she ends that conversation and he's like what kind of calls mom and And i think he overhears her like calling about getting him a room yes yes so he's like "Uh uh-uh me and the demon are gonna take care of this Mm -hmm. um and then yeah so then after she comes home she comes home and the exorcist crew is there and they're like or uh, Tom Harris is there and he's like oh my gosh what happened? what happened and she's like car crash bitch and he's like <laughs> he's like um okay so we really need to do an exorcism though and she's like would you shut the fuck up she's like please my son needs help not <laughs> religion <laughs> and he tries he tries to give uh George this uh an, an icon of of Saint Michael once again and George's mom runs up and she's like, get that the fuck away from my son and just like chucks it into the woods. George goes running after it and Kurt has to go and like physically pick up George and be like, this isn't like, just leave it, dude, leave it. Um, and then that night, I can't remember why, but George runs from the house. I think to go get the icon again. To go back out to look for the icon. Okay. So he leaves the house to go back out and look for the icon and Kurt sees him leaving and obviously gives chase because like this child cannot be trusted to be on his own without adult supervision of uh not not a exorcism crew type um he gives chase and uh to george's recollection the demon shows up and george decides to fight the demon 
He is wrestling with this demon. He is getting like, they, they fall in the creek at some point and they're, they're, they're all wet. And finally, they've come to a tree where there is a rope swing and George strangles the demon. And he's like, I've done it. I've won. And he runs to the huh? church. He runs to the church and he runs to the church to tell the exorcism crew it's done. I beat it. I beat the demon. It's dead. No one has to worry anymore. They are concerned when he shows they, up. They're like they are very concerned because he uh, <laughs> is probably covered in all kinds of gunk, like s- lake stuff or river stuff, whatever it was he fell in, grass, probably some blood. <laughs> Demon <laughs> if blood, I had right? To guess. Demon blood for sure, for sure. And uh, they say like, um, what is the line that they say like? Like, the Lord will forgive you for anything or something like that. Like, a very ominous, like, yeah, they're like, this we kid know did what some must shit. have happened. Yeah. yeah, you did something real bad. But if you, you know, if you find religion, perhaps you'll be forgiven for whatever it is that you did. George makes it home and uh, mom is worried. She has called the police to say that Paul is missing. They cannot find George. Paul. George, sorry, they cannot find Kurt. Missing. Kurt, I'm talking about. Sorry, okay. Kurt. Yeah, she's called the Kurt. Kurt is the one that <laughs> ran after him. Did I say Kurt earlier? Or did I say Paul? There's you too many Kurt just like earlier. You just four-letter right word now. names. Yeah. It's like basic, like one syllable. Sorry, Kurt is missing. Uh, they cannot find him. Uh, George, you know, gave him the slip during his little demon fight. The next day, the police show up and they're like, "Hey, we found Kurt in a pretty bad situation." Uh, they couldn't find him the night before because they were looking at the uh, the ground and not up in the trees. And wouldn't you know it, hanging from that uh, old uh, tree with the rope swing where George fought the demon, there's old Kurt dead hanging in the tree. Yikes. How did uh, he get up there? How did he get up there? That's a great question. No one thinks George did it because how could an 11-year-old lift a grown man up into the tree that way no one i no also one don't think he did George. it i think yeah i think that he was up in the tree having a demon fight and kurt climbed up to get him and kurt did it to himself fell and got caught or something i yeah. don't i think that that's the most likely explanation of yes by demon fight i mean he was just like slapping himself, himself or yeah. something yeah yeah uh and he yeah he tried to get george down and uh george got down on his own and kurt did not so sad ending for kurt the only good the only guy good in this man's book Oof, rough. uh kind of by unspoken agreement uh, george and his mother never speak of kurt or this evening again and he uh they they pack up they move to connecticut uh back to her hometown where she grew up and she vows to not let george go into a home she's going to take him with her and she's going to care for him. She, They go to Connecticut. She hires someone to do an exorcism on George. And according to him, at that moment, all of his problems were solved. He had no more hallucinations. There were no more demons, etc. We go back to modern day. It would be day. funny if the person that she hired was the same dude who did the exorcism earlier. <laughs> he shows up with his little carpet bag and snake oil <laughs> they what very specifically say it wasn't it was like an anglican pastor or some bullshit i don't know yeah but. yeah and he he makes a comment of how like just this this random dude was able to do what my, my father and his powerful friends, friends could not yeah so um 
So present day. Present day, yes. George has a breakdown and wants to be committed because he thinks that he is demon possessed again. And mm-hmm. his psychiatrist shows up and is like, dude, you don't need to be committed. Yeah. You're fine. The psychiatrist says, like, before tonight, I would have said you were a perfectly healthy person. And I was like, like, would you? Really? Okay, he you hasn't read touched his, his notebooks, my man. Also, like, ignoring the notebooks, he hasn't touched his kid in six months. So, like, I don't yes. know. Something's going on there. Something weird's um, going on. But, yeah, I think at, at that point, Georgia is, like, uh-oh. Like, something, I'm trying to remember why he thinks the demon came back. I think he sees him. He sees the demon, maybe. Or he hears it. Or he's just he's just too far gone at this point yeah. in whatever whatever's happening in his mind has taken over and he runs back to the apartment he used to share with his wife and son. He has since been kicked out, uh, lets himself in cause he still has the key. She has not changed the locks. And the book ends with him holding his child saying, this is how I will protect you by never leaving you. And he looks out the window and it's nighttime. So the reflection in the window he sees is the demon and it's got its mouth open real big. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe at that point is when he eats his son. I think, does, does it say his mouth? Like, it says, like, the demon is screaming or something, I thought. Yes. Let yeah. me see. The last line is, uh, then the figure in the window opens the void of its mouth and screams. Yeah. Because so he, he my, thinks it's like a family curse that, like, the yeah. demon is getting revenge on Paul, George's dad, by trying to harm George. Because, because Paul dared to try to exorcise the demon from this demoniac kid down in um, Honduras. Honduras. Yes. Mm-hmm. So and the, so he doesn't want to pass that curse on to his son. So so it, I believe that that this as presented, we are to understand that be it mental illness or be it demon, that the thing that is the cure for his woes is to be a better father than his father and be there for his son. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the message, right? Like it's like, yeah. oh, the the cure is love. Um, personally, love, I think it would have been love, better love, if love. it was more of just like he reaches for the kid and that's it, and we don't know. Yeah, what like Inception after that. kind of ending. Yeah. Like you don't know if the top falls or not. You don't know if George touches his kid or not. Well, you don't know if he reaches for him, and he is demon possessed and kills him, or if he reaches for mm-hmm. him to give him a cuddle. You know, like we mm-hmm, don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also did feel like this is really more of a book about uh, religious psychosis than it is about yeah um, actual demons because I just don't think this demon was a demon. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think this was more about the harmful aspects of uh Group, uh, religion and group uh, mass hysteria, mm-hmm. I think, but like a mini mass, like of four people, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so pretty uh, low on demons, I would say. Yeah. High on disturbed children, mm-hmm. low on demons. Yeah. So I think that's kind of my ask for the next book is more we demons. Demons. More demons. Yeah. yeah. Or n- not necessarily demons, as discussed. It could be a god or goddess of some sort, but more possessions. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And that's really it. That's, I that's think it. Yeah, ask. that's what we want. I would uh, like to see one because I know like this is kind of my thing with horror in general. Like, mm-hmm. let's see horror written by a woman. Um, I agree for book three. It definitely should be written yes. by a woman. Book one won't won't be, unfortunately, because we will be returning to a classic well, example. Book one but... won't be because this was book one. 
Book two, book yeah. three. Two. Any of the books. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows how to speak? Not me. <laughs> well, we aren't going to get to book two or three for a little you while. You guys have to wait. Before that, we've got uh, next week's episode, which is a which is a uh, Mockingjay Monday with yes. uh, episode two of our Hunger Games miniseries, uh, mm-hmm. Catching Fire. By oh, I'm so Collins. excited to read Catching Fire again. Indeed. I've been really, because uh, I, I haven't watched the movie yet either. I really want to... Uh, uh, that's my favorite of the movies. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't my favorite of the books when I read the books, but maybe now it will be. I remember I don't know. very little about the second book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So be excited to see. Um, and then the week after that, we'll be wrapping up our literary submitted unit on gender bent retellings with the Pride and Prejudice remix, Most Ardently, by Gabe Cole Navoa. Hooray! Uh, in the meantime, if you have any books or units you'd like for us to cover on the podcast, either because you think we would love them or hate them, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise, I'm you're going to have a little friend show up who's going to make you do it anyway so (laughs) might as well (laughs) if you use apple podcasts or spotify we'd very much appreciate a five-star review but if you don't that's all right because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you like in the words of justin evans grading papers he repeated with scorn there is no human achievement so great that a freshman cannot reduce it to drivel (laughs) (laughs) academics (laughs) there's a a a video a jenny nicholson video um where she covers a show that is like a ghost hunting show where they do like uh ghosts like they have a, a, a ghost. ghost hunting show with ghosts no no i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> they have like a team of like psychics and ghost hunters and then they also just have like a house inspector okay and the house inspector like goes through and That's explains amazing. why every single thing hold is... on i would watch the show i love that well, but then apparently it's like set up in a way where it's very um like they show the paranormal stuff and then the house hunting and then they present it to the the couple and they're all or like the owners and they're always like so it is ghosts like, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i would love to go on that show <laughs>